Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen yearning to breathe free air again to the one and only CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house. End of the week already. It is Friday. And folks, we are truly in danger of breathing free air now, free uncontaminated air. Is the spike protein of the vaccine in the air? Do they transmit it? Did they create not only a virus through higher viral load, but a vaccine that's not a vaccine where the vaccinated have become super spreaders, not just spreading the virus, but spreading the precursor to the virus, the endless possibly trillions of spikes that they manufacture all these people and screw us all with it. You know, I noted at the beginning of this whole saga 18 months ago, I said, God never creates something that you have to fear fellow man. There's no such thing that anyone at any time without any symptoms could be walking around causing someone else a problem. Certainly if they take the precaution, the other person doesn't too. There's no such thing. And that was true. It was always true. If you have symptoms, you stay home. And you treat it. And done. There's never such a thing that you have to worry about other people. Not in mass, large scale, like that. But now they've created such a virus. They're now admitting it. Lauren Chen, that big doctor that's always on cable news spewing garbage, admitted that she's scared that she's asymptomatically transmitting to her her unvaccinated kids. Now, where she's wrong is that even if you're vaccinated, you no longer have protection for a lot of people either. But certainly, at least she's admitting they're the spreaders. So we're going to have a special guest on today um, to talk about that the dangers of the vaccine, um, why are we seeing things so much worse and people getting sicker quicker, so many more people getting the virus or what seems to be the virus at least, after the vaccine, is the vaccine the culprit and how is it the culprit? So we'll talk about that as well. Our first sponsor today, folks, look, with all the gun felons being let out of prison, there's nothing you can do about that other than making sure you are more accurate than they are. Now, typically, um, criminals aren't very good at shooting unless they do point-blank range, but you guys need to practice. Practice makes perfect. The problem is that ammo is so expensive nowadays. That's why iTarget has you covered. They invented um, this laser bullet that you could put in any, really any caliber gun or rifle you have. It could be 223, obviously 9mm, and is it 45 cal, 40 cal, and you put it in, you download their propriety app, and then it, you shine your phone on the target as you're shooting, and it renders your shots. You can even time your shots out of the holster, the muscle memory, the sight alignment, the sight picture, um, the trigger pull, all of that. Everything except for the recoil, you could practice. You literally make your money back within one time using it. You get 10% off plus free shipping with offer code CR. 
So I want you guys to go to itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com, offer code CR. Make sure you remain on target. Okay, folks. So, you know, I got a lot of, you know, responses from yesterday's show. I know it was pretty heavy duty. I was pretty down. I was like, the country has become a maggot-infested carcass. It's not worth saving. There is nothing we can do to save it. And we just need to find a refuge in a couple of states and kind of rebuild from there. I believe in it strongly. I do. I'm sorry. And I have a lot to say that's going to back that. You just look at how irremediably broken everything is. You know, for those of you who just couldn't believe that our system or government would be so messed up that they would go and shove something on us that not only doesn't work and not only is harmful, but actually creates the nightmare of virus that they said existed, but actually didn't exist until they made it exist. Look no further than immigration. I spoke to a friend of mine who's on the river. He's, it's called the Riverine Unit in the Rio Grande Valley. And he's like, they're, what they're doing is they're making a 1,200-mile Ellis Island across the Texas border. It's not only that, oh, it doesn't work. They know it doesn't work. They know it helps facilitate open borders, and that's why they want it, just like they know the vaccine doesn't work. They're getting rid of all the patriotic agents, just like they're doing the military. They're eradicating patriotism from the, mil- from the Border Patrol. If you noticed yesterday, Jen Psaki announced they're getting rid of horse patrol. Those are some of the best CBP agents, and they're not stupid. Horse patrol is like ivermectin to the virus. It works. Horses have a great sense of smell. Um, You know, everyone thinks it's a desert out there, but near the river, it's very dense with mesquite and other brush, and they can't get in there. The horses are very good at that. So they're not stupid. There's a reason they want to abolish the horse patrol. They're a bunch of arsonists. You can't live together under the same government that does this. And by the way, all of the Haitians, so they're making a big deal out of deporting like like 3 to 5% of them. You know where the rest of them are going. The Haitians in particular, I found out, are being sent to Florida. <laughs> they're not stupid. They know they're losing... The third biggest state, it's becoming redder and redder. Well, that's how you fight back. They tell them to report to an ICE office, and then, and which they don't do, of course, and then they list pro bono legal services in their area to get, which is in violation of federal law that, that taxpayer documents should be promoting that. But, you know, that's that's where things are now. It's truly unbelievable. You just can't make this stuff up. And then what's worse is in the courts how irremediably broken they are. So illegal aliens, the drop of a hat, they get an injunction, they get anything. So think about this. You have no right to bodily integrity. Nothing. You have no right to breathe. You have no right not to have spikes um, put into your body. And, you know, all these women, and I'm hearing crazy things that are happening with, uh, you know, just their whole menstrual cycle. Crazy, crazy stories. It's obviously nothing you talk about readily. But um, yesterday, a federal judge, Bloom, I don't know if she's an Obama appointee or Clinton appointee, federal judge in Florida said that Ron DeSantis' bill he signed, I think it was SB 36, banning sanctuary cities, 10 other states have some version of it, is unconstitutional. And she literally gave a 100-page screed on how it's unconstitutional because she believes that the organizations that advocated for it are hateful. 
Like, what, huh? So what does that have to do with the law? It is now unconstitutional to follow federal immigration law. It is unconstitutional to have a border. It's unconstitutional to have immigration laws. And if the majority of illegals happen to be of a certain ilk, you can't have immigration laws because it's this uh, disparate impact and it violates the Equal Protection Clause. This is what we have now. This is what I mentioned. When I wrote my book on judicial supremacism in 2016, I warned, and this is in the introduction, I wrote, pick your favorite conservative issue and your preferred policy solution and understand that the courts will toss out many of those policies. There is a standing army of legal professionals waiting to assail religious liberty, create new rights for criminals, and invalidate immigration enforcement acts at the drop of a hat. And now we see that 90% of Republicans are Teletubbies. I mean, you can't get anything done. They're part of it. The few cases where you have a decent Republican, notice DeSantis, everything he's doing gets screwed with the courts. That's what you're going to get by being a part of this union. If you think you could live under this system and somehow beat it, you can't. The courts are worse than ever. Yes, after all of this nonsense. Could you imagine that? A a local government now has the right to thwart federal immigration law, and a state can't merely say you have to follow federal immigration law. So they have it always. When a state wants to help enforce immigration law, like, no, 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 you're getting in the way of the feds. Okay. So then if a state wants to declare a sanctuary and buck and criminalize the enforcement of immigration law. They're like, hey, mind your own business. They could do what they want. Okay, then they're like, all right, that's California. But in Florida, we could do the opposite then. Okay, then we could ban sanctuary cities. No, a city could now do what they want, despite the state and the federal government being on the same side. You can't win in a system like that. And I warned, I said, look, they have... What, they, what I call the nuclear option, and that is if they lose an election and they actually – you get a Republican that's normal and actually believes in something and the stars align and they actually pass good legislation and enact good policies. Guess what? They already set up a system that the court – he will last, last, last best that the court gets the final say. Well, how are you going to get around that? And part of the problem also is – that we don't even have the ability to put things in the court system to get in front of the better judges like they do their judges. They have a system in place pro bono to get any issue, legal representation for every one of the 2 million illegals. Yet we have so many people, federal workers, private workers, under assault of their own bodily integrity and their livelihood, and they can't get legal representation. Now, that's why I support Alliance Defending Freedom, sponsor of this show. They've been standing up for religious liberty, sanctity of life, freedom of speech, marriage, parental rights, and America's highest courts for three decades. Because they do this at no cost to their clients, it requires the generosity of patriots just like you. Here's how you can find out more and help. Go to adflegal.org. Get your copy of ADF's ebook titled Generational Wins with your tax-deductible donation absolutely free. Discover why fighting for what's right isn't just important for today, but how it impacts our nation for generations to come. America is strong when we stand together. Join the growing number of Americans pledging their support for freedom and liberty. Donate today, adflegal.org slash CR. That's adflegal.org slash CR. 
So as we introduce our next very special new guest today on Sierra Podcast, I do want to just frame the issue a little bit more as we start off with today. We noted already several months ago when Delta started percolating outside of India, went to England, was very prominent there in the spring, May into June, and, you know, it was behaving like we would expect any variant mutation to behave. It was a little bit more transmissible, mainly in households, according to the UK's public health data, but it was actually less virulent, so much so that even the media was kind of complaining, hey, all these people think they have nothing but a cold and they're going around spreading it. Um, But that was the point. I mean, you barely even noticed anything special. You weren't having cytokine storms and the blood oxygen level dropping and the thrombosis. And, you know, it was kind of like a cold. Very few people were getting hospitalized. And that's that made sense. That's what we typically see with pathogens. And that's what Delta was when it started. There was nothing different. Then suddenly it breaks out in the American South and kind of simultaneously in Israel as well. And Gibraltar, or several other places, particularly that had a lot of Pfizer shots. And we were like, ha ha ha. Myself, we were all laughing it off. Yeah, you know, you might have a little bit of a Hope Simpson Southern Latitude curve, um, but, but just a little bit because so many more people already had it. And then, you know, we thought with all the risk and all, at least there is some efficacy to the vaccine. And, you know, it shouldn't be a problem. We all thought we were kind of done with the virus. And then suddenly I start hearing like, this 30-year-old drops dead. This 35-year-old drops dead. Everyone I knew there was getting very sick. You know, it was going down like five levels. A 10-year-old was getting it like what a maybe a 45-year-old used to get it. And and so on and so forth. I was like, what the heck? This is as transmissible as anything, but it's also so virulent. And like that that doesn't make sense. I'm like, well, it's all the unvaccinated people. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. I mean, if it's unvaccinated people, you wouldn't expect it to be qualitatively worse than before you'd say okay just you know a handful of those elderly people that chose not to get vaccinated well they're getting zapped but it wasn't it was even younger people and then you know more and more we saw it was a lie and certainly as it wore off more and more of the vaccinated were getting just as sick um and that keeps actually skewing more in that direction every day and every week since july august now late september and we already know that but is it even worse than i'm making it out to be is it are the vaccinated downright the super spreaders of both the virus, but perhaps also the spike itself? Could you catch the spike protein from others? I've gotten this question a lot, and I always thought the answer was no, but we're going to find out with our next guest. Our next guest is really very special, Dr. Um, she goes by Dr. Lin, Lin Finn, but I will tell you um, we have to protect her identity for obvious reasons. Uh, she was a former infectious disease doctor, big background in virology, microbiology. Um, right now, uh, she she has a pharmaceutical development company. So, I mean, look, runs the gamut of expertise on drugs, therapeutics, uh, as well as infectious diseases. Importantly to our cause, she is the associate medical director, along with Dr. Ryan Cole, who you are all familiar with, of America's Frontline Doctors. That's uh, Simone Gold's organization. A lot of you have reached out to them. Um, and she is going to share with us her insights today. Uh, Dr. Finn, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Daniel, for having me. I appreciate it. So I don't even know where to start, but maybe let's just start off with my theory. 
you heard my theory on what I think is going on that, you know, um, Hope Simpson should have came Memorial Day, but it didn't. It came actually about six weeks later in Florida and the South this year, which kind of tells me that naturally we were pretty much done with this. But this is when the leakiness of the vaccine broke out, um, which is why England, which got it earlier, Delta, you know, if it's just Delta, they should have gotten it bad too then. And Spain also as well, some of those Western European countries, they didn't have a problem. Where am I right? Where am I wrong? And where am I incomplete? I think you're right pretty much about all of it. However, I think there's a whole myriad of things being overlooked here that contribute to the phenomenon you're seeing right now here in the U.S. Um, You're definitely right about Delta spreading throughout India and throughout the U.K. with less virulence, less mortality. You know, highly infectious, higher viral loads, but um, they weren't seeing the mortality that maybe perhaps we are here. And I don't necessarily think it has to do with viral evolution as much as some multi-pronged parameters here. Excuse me. One of which, uh, number one, we have mass vaccination going on. We have adverse events from the vaccination being conflated with issues with the disease itself. We also have an issue of care in the hospital. Our protocols are not necessarily the same as protocols in the UK or protocols in India and how it's treated. In India, they do their best to keep people out of the hospital. I know in India, they they give out early treatment packets and um, every household has the opportunity to treat at the onset of symptoms, Um, whereas we do quite the opposite here. We actually block these safe, proven treatments, and by proven, I mean proven safe, and to some uh, effect efficacious, but we do block them, and we actually are in the mode of telling patients, go home, it's a virus. If it gets really bad, go to the ER, and in my lifetime in my career, I've never, ever used that as a, a treatment plan. Um, we, we know how to treat these symptoms. You can start there, but it's not happening. And I think that is the first problem we're seeing. And the second problem we're seeing is because of the high viral load, it, it is more transmissible. There's no doubt that you're going to have a higher viral load in a shorter period of time with Delta than the previous uh, uh, variant. However, what we're seeing is with these high viral loads, they are ending up going to the ER with the cytokine storm already upon them. And the first line of treatment is steroids, which is great. It's very important. However, it's, they're also getting hit with remdesivir, which is going to impair their kidneys and their liver and put them behind the eight ball. And once it does, they seem to end up on, on a ventilator. With, and it seems that, from my experience, that combination of remdesivir and a ventilator doesn't bode well for a good 70 to 80% of those who, who um, undergo that, that particular protocol. 
So there, in my opinion, there is a huge problem with how we're treating these patients when they do come in. And there isn't a whole lot that can be said about it because it's coming from above. And whenever most uh, professionals try to go off the reservation, they do get spoken to. So there is a level of, of intimidation going on. Um, and between that, what you're seeing in the younger population, which is typical when you have mutations, when you have mutations in the, in the, uh, the uh, population that is vulnerable, has already been exposed like they have in the first wave. We know a lot of our vulnerable, vulnerable population perished in the first wave. And others that recovered have lasting immunity. So what happens naturally is the virus wants to exist. That's all it wants to do. It wants to exist. It really doesn't come out trying to kill its host. That would be self-deprecating. It wants to exist. So after it's done through that vulnerable population, it wants to seek out another demographic that it normally wouldn't even have a, a chance to get hold. And that is the, the 30s, the, the 20s the younger healthy population, children. It's, it's going to find its way to continue. And that's where we are right now. That's why you're seeing symptoms in younger people. And, and again, when the, uh, the, the way to treat this has become go home till you're really sick, um, we have, are you there? I'm sorry. So, so let yeah. me, I, th- this, this makes a lot of sense, but let me just challenge that a little bit um, to get you a little bit more specific. And that's what we'll do. We'll keep getting a little bit more specific. Um, so unfortunately, I mean, we've talked about this for months here. This has been our main thesis, the genocidal lack of treatment um, and, and the negative treatment with the remdesivir. And, but, but that was going on all year and a half. That was going on the entire time before the vaccination that was always going on these unfortunate factors. Um, and, but yet you look at Florida, for example, 96% of the senior population is vaccinated. So we're like, wow, I mean, if it's, it's somewhat effective, man, you should really not see much of anything. Um, and certainly now with more built up immunity yet in August of this year, there were the, the death rate was 94% higher than August of last year. So to me, the crappy yes, treatment and, and whatever, that, that was a constant variable. One, so yeah, that's one of the, the myriad I'm talking so, about. So so I want to I want to tee you up for this. I want to tee you up for this and let you swing at this curveball. And th- that's this. All right, Dr. Finn, tell me this. Am I right in assuming the the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room, the variable that changed since this new wave, you know, because we had a couple months where it was kind of dead, but the, the 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 variable was the mass vaccination with a very weak, narrow spectrum, novel, in many, many ways, vaccine, that had we not had the vaccine, so let's take December, January, we're at, in most places, I'd say 30 to 40% infection rate, some places like New England and Oregon, Washington were less, but, you know, a significant amount had it, um, that over time, you know, it should have spread slower because you don't have as much virgin ground to plow through. It should have spread Absolutely. slower. Or if it would have mutated to spread quickly, it would have been more like a cold. 
and we would not be seeing 30-year-olds all over ventilators and getting really sick. And and I understand how the hospital screws people up, but I, but it is true that people seem to be getting sicker from the get-go that prompts them to go to the hospital. Maybe some shouldn't, but some really are getting very sick. Is it safe to hypothesize that in one or more than one way, perhaps the vaccine is doing this? It's more than safe. It, it's it's uh, it's almost like you said. It's the gorilla in the room. Um, it's reasonable to come to that assumption. Normally, I'm very careful with correlation versus causation, but in this particular case, there is enough documented science that is uh, supporting the fact that the vaccinated seem to be having high viral loads. And there, there's an excellent paper that proves that uh, up to 251 times the viral load than before vaccination um, we're seeing in the vaccinated. So you have that two-week window following vaccination where it, there's a, this phenomenon where most of them get sick. And not only are they getting sick, but because their viral load is so incredibly high, they spread it amongst most people that are in, in close contact with them. And that's what we're seeing as far as th this spread goes. Yes, uh, this is a key part of what's going on. In natural mutation, in natural uh, viral evolution, you have waves of outbreak and then recovery, resolution, outbreak and resolution. Well, when humans interject in the way that we have and in such a big way, we are shifting this in, in a meaningful way in that we are forcing mutation. We have a, 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 we have a therapeutic, and I'm calling it a therapeutic. I'm not calling it a vaccine. And the reason why is when you're developing a vaccine, when your endpoint has is solely based on symptom severity, um, it, we're talking about a therapeutic. You want to be, you know, you want to have less severe symptoms. You want to be have less of a chance of being hospitalized. That is a therapeutic. That that isn't mitigating spread. It isn't stopping uh, infection. It is merely making it less. And that was the endpoint originally. And even that isn't lasting. So when you have a vaccine, so to speak, during a pandemic being thrown out in a massive scale, you're encouraging mutation. You're encouraging immune evasion. And when you have this type of immune evasion, you're going to have this virus look for other hosts. It's going to start infecting children. Look for it to start infecting animals when they're done with the children. Um, so, mm -hmm. yes, this has a huge, this plays a huge factor. And not only with this, but it's also causing emerging uh, typical viruses, childhood viruses, latent viruses to activate and become an issue. A lot of what we're seeing in ICU for respiratory uh, illness isn't necessarily COVID. A lot of it is RSV, which you never see at this time of year. So this is clearly yeah. forced. It's, it, it's clearly uh, facilitated by another factor. 
and there's really only one glaring factor. One glaring factor. And I, and I want to get into that in more detail after a word from our sponsor here. Um, but but I, what I gather you're saying is that, you know, none of us, even w- whether you thought the vaccine was garbage or great, none of us expected it. I mean, except for Gert Vandenbosch and some others who were warning. But I mean, myself, we're like, yeah, you know, um, we, we pretty much have a nice amount of immunity built up. But then when we saw out-of-season spread, where was Hope Simpson in-season in the South, they got crushed, but even north of the 35th parallel, San Francisco, Oregon, Washington, they had the worst spread than they ever had before. Israel, the worst spread mm-hmm. than they ever had before. And it was off-season, worse than ever, more transmissible. Many cases seem to be a lot worse because we barely saw pregnant women get very sick. Now we are because younger people are. We're seeing kids get maybe not cytokine storms, but very bad flus for the most part from this. And then like you noted, we're seeing an insane RSV um, outbreak off season. And this whole thing is kind of kind of bizarre. I want to put this together uh, after our sponsor. We have a new sponsor for today's interview, Paint Your Life. Um, if you're like me where you have a bunch of kids and you have parents, um, yeah, what are you going to give your parents as a gift uh, for, for uh, grandparents? Uh, they've given you everything. The one thing they always want are pictures. Uh, they always want pictures of the grandkids. Well, paint your life. What they do is if you take any picture, anything on your phone, anything, and you send it to them, you will get a professional hand-painted portrait created from that fo- photo. And I know you're thinking, okay, that's going to be a lot of you know, big expense. No, it is very, very affordable. Um, you can actually choose from a team of world-class artists uh, and work with them with every detail to make your perfect handmade picture Great for birthdays, wedding presents, anniversaries, and like I said, certainly grandparents. Um, you'll receive your portrait in as little as two weeks. And this is truly the meaningful personal stuff that um, your loved ones will cherish forever. I know I'm certainly going to well, st- still deciding what we're going to use to send to my parents. Um, here's the deal. The the code here is a text. So you got a text review to 64000 paintyourlife.com there's no risk if you don't love the final painting your money is refunded guaranteed right now it's a limited offer you can get 20% off your painting that's right 20% off and free shipping Um, to get this special offer again text the word review to 64,000 that's review to 64,000 again and terms apply available at paintyourlife.com forward slash terms all right, so back to our guests. We're speaking with uh, Dr. Finn, Associate Medical Director of America's Frontline Doctors. Uh, she has a history of working in the infectious disease field. Um, and by the way, you could follow her at Finderella1. I don't know why the people have these funny-sounding names, but F-Y-N-N-D-E-R-E-L-L-A-1. Um, you're missing out if you don't follow her there because I was certainly missing out on stuff. All right, so... Here's my concern now. I always swatted down when people told me, Daniel, you know, do I have to worry about being around someone who's vaccinated because I might get the spike from them and the spike is kind of like the pathogen and they keep producing. I was like, no, it's probably only through bodily fluids, not a big deal. Um, Don't worry about that. But then the more I'm seeing of this, where, you know, we explained a little bit the viral load and how they, you know, the Merrick's chicken disease. I've talked a lot to, to my audience about that. They're familiar with that. But we're seeing so many people get sick. And then often I'm seeing, 
you know, on the one hand, whole households will get wiped from this, but then sometimes only the kid will get it. Only the kid. And and, and they're all like, oh, because we're vaccinated. That's why it's working. But is there something else going on? And to explain this to our audience, could you use the example you told me the other night about the four girls at a West Point dorm that you treated? Yeah, sure. Um, it, it is a an unheard of phenomenon. Um, I, I call it several things, and it gets me in trouble because they don't want it known. But what I'm seeing, and if you if you even use the cruise ship example, where everyone on the cruise ship was fully vaccinated post three weeks after second jab, right? And all of a sudden, there's a huge outbreak of COVID on, on a cruise ship. And you wonder, how is that possible? There's a closed system for all practical purposes. They are an island. Um, in, in January, there were four girls um, in lockdown in a dormitory. And I was contacted by one, the mother of one of the girls who was kind of uh, at a loss of what to do. Um, the four girls were only around each other. They were literally having meals in their dorm. They weren't venturing out for anything. And one of the girls, they they offered them the vaccine and one of the girls took them up on it, went and got vaccinated. First jab, Pfizer, came back to the dorm. Within seven days, the girl whose mother contacted me broke out into one of the most horrific uh, outbreaks of shingles and she's 20 years old you don't often see shingles outbreaks in 20 year olds um, to the point where she couldn't lay on her back she couldn't put a t-shirt on it t- touching her skin was you know ridiculously uncomfortable and she couldn't understand what was going on and within a two-week period it was unreal because the third girl in the dorm was having extremity pain in her right leg and come to find out she got an ultrasound and she went to the hospital and she had a a big clot in her leg and that was unprompted as well and then you know people started scratching their head going what is going on here the second girl in the dorm that was also unvaccinated was having chest pains and later diagnosed with pericarditis. So now we have four girls in one dorm with one vaccinated. And the kicker was the vaccinated girl ended up getting COVID. And they separated her and quarantined her. So I'm scratching my head as to what is going on and started pulling literature and digging and digging and digging, even going back to the original Pfizer protocol and informed consent. And there's a little section on page 67 of that informed consent that basically warns study patients, people who are enrolled in the study, to be careful with skin-to-skin contact in pregnant family members. And because, you know, in the original EUA, trial pregnancy was an exclusion criteria for the for the study so if you're pregnant you're out Um, and those that were on study had to take a very extensive double backed uh, form of of contraception during the study so very careful 
not to have uh, pregnancy in the study. And one of the mentions was skin to skin, sweat to sweat, and inhaled contact. With what does inhale someone. mean? Inhaled meaning you're in close proximity. You inhale breath, particles. Droplets or even aerosols? Droplets, aerosols, anything. Inhaled is anything. So you're telling me Pfizer, and I didn't know this until you told it to me. I put it out on Twitter today, and this was there the whole time in their their trial protocol. You're telling me Pfizer admitted that unlike something we've ever seen before, and this is why you don't call it a vaccine, because vaccines don't shed. A real vaccine doesn't, but this is not. You're saying you they're admitting you could give off the spike to someone else. So not only are they covering up the myocarditis and God knows shingles and whatever other issues people are having, but that you could possibly give it to someone else too. Um, this is just, if you guys want to look it up, it's a phase one, two, three placebo controlled randomized observer blind dose finding study. If you just type that in along with Pfizer, this will come up. Um, and it's on page 67. They say a family, a female, um, a female is found to be pregnant while being exposed or having been exposed to study intervention due to environmental exposure. And then they define environmental exposure by inhalation or skin contact. Wow. Yes. So, um, of course, this stuck out like a sore thumb because they had to have had a suspicion to even cite that in, in the informed consent and the protocol. Um, this isn't, they don't just make up all these crazy scenarios that coulda, shoulda, woulda. It's something that they would have previous knowledge of to inform. And that, that's kind of what stuck out to me. And it started making sense to me. And then that was in January. Now here we are in September. And it's been just represented one time after another on a continuous basis that this is indeed what's happening. And when you speak about the kids getting really sick, what I'm suspecting, because you know they conflate. They say there's no way you can spread the infection from the vaccine because there is no virus in the vaccine. And that's factual. There, there's nothing wrong with that statement. But taking it a step further, you have messenger RNA in the vaccine, which programs your cells to become factories, manufacture the pathogenic portion of the virus. The only reason why you'd need the rest of the virus is for the virus to replicate. But in this case, the messenger RNA becomes that fills that void because the messenger RNA is what's allowing the spike to replicate in your body because your cells become the powerhouse. Well, when you have this phenomenon going on and you're pumping out trillions of these, these pathogenic spikes, they're not staying enclosed within your body. Just like you would if you had an infection, it has to go somewhere. It has to go in feces and urine and sweat from skin through pores, from, from uh, exhalation or sputum or 
saliva. There are all of these different ways it has to leave your body. You're pumping it out on a continuous basis. It's not staying there. I mean, the whole point is to have a, an antigenic response, and then you pick up antibodies to that specific spike. So that's what the whole idea is behind it. But I think there are unintended consequences to this. Um, and this, this is one of them. I think when you're in close pro- proximity, when you share a bathroom with them, when you're, it's the spouse next to you. I think what we're, what we are seeing in children is their parents are running out first thing to get vaccinated. Their teachers are running out to get vaccinated during that first three week period. They're, they're, pumping out spike these kids are getting a higher dose for lack of better terms of the pathogenic spike in their bodies than they would if they ever came in contact with the actual virus because the virus doesn't replicate rapidly in children they don't have the ace2 and tmprss2 receptors to facilitate that kind of replication in their cells so in this case they're getting hit with a bolus of the spike protein itself, and it's going to cause symptoms. They're going to have a response to it. So, so I want to I want to uh, dabble into that last point you just made because um, that's a little bit technical for myself, and I'm sure a lot of people listening. So, just so I understand, you know, we were hearing from day one that the big problem with this virus, and which is one of the telltale signs that it was synthetically made, is the way it it uh, uses the ACE2 receptors and on ramp, and men seem to have. Um, you know, more of them, bigger targets. That's why men seem to get more sick. And the bigger you are, you have more. So the bigger people get sicker. So, you know, we we talked a lot about kids having possibly some partial cross immunity. And that, that could be true as well. But you're saying probably the biggest reason why kids didn't get sick is because they don't have um, much of the ACE2 receptor. And what's the other one? Uh, it's uh, a protease called TMPRSS2, which is the S2 portion of the spike. You know, the spike consists of two portions and a cleavage site. And S1 is the ACE2. S2 is TMPRSS2. You also see an increase in TMPRSS2 in men with prostate problems. So as men get older, they're pumping out more of TMPRSS2 from their prostate, whether it's benign prostatic hypertrophy or inflammation in any way, or even prostate cancer, they're pumping out this this uh, protease at higher levels. So that also contributes to the higher mm. mortality in the in the male population, not just ACE, because women have ACE too. But so it's two, it's the S2, and I know Dr. Cole talks about that a lot, and that's one of the mechanisms of action of ivermectin to shut that down. Um, but you're saying kids until now, the, the virus didn't really, it's kind of like a locked house. You know, they didn't have a way of um, getting in there. But you're saying... Yeah, somebody let them in the front door, but, <laughs> but they didn't let them spend the night. And so when you don't have that high load, what are you, what are you spreading? What infection are you spreading? And the good thing about that during that time is they were exposed to it. So yes. their, their immune system learn to recognize it so there that would protect them it, it was truly the a blessing but now they created the virus that they said existed 
as the impetus to shut down schools, but didn't, but now does, that we are seeing not all, but but too many kids a lot more often, a lot more virulently getting sick. And you're saying, because it always bothered me, the mutations aren't enough. If anything, they should get better, but it, it can't change the fundamentals that much. Kids are clearly getting it. They're clearly spreading it now. And we're seeing that. And it just didn't make sense to me. So you're saying you don't need the ACE2 and the S2 um, on ramps to get in there because you already have the manufactured spike that they're getting from um, their 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 parents. But my question to you is, when they say the kid tests positive for COVID, so let's say you are unleashing a spike on someone pursuant to Pfizer's warning, it can spread through inhalation. So you, in so to speak, inhaled someone else's. Pfizer vaccine spike, for lack of a better term. What, you would still test positive for COVID? There's a possibility um, that you can test positive. I think this, these tests were used very poorly. And and the, the thing about PCR is the higher the cycle threshold you use, the less meaningful the assay is. And, and that was true from the very, very start, which is why... Currently, if a hospitalized vaccinated person um, is tested for, as they call it, breakthrough infection, I think that's a, a joke of a word because it's not a breakthrough infection. It never was proven to, pre- to prevent infection. So it's an infection. But when a, a vaccinated person is hospitalized for this, the CDC recommends that they only test that that vaccinated person at a cycle threshold of 28 or less, meaning 28 passes um, versus the rest of the world, (laughs) which they've been using 39 to 45 passes. And, you know, to quote Carrie Mullis, if you cycle something long enough and amplify it billions of times, you can find anything in any one at any given time. It makes the single assay diagnosis using PCR completely meaningless. But that's what we've been doing for 19 months. Sure, but but my point is now people are legitimately getting sick. I know a lot of people that they won't test. They won't do the asymptomatic business. They know from that, but they are getting sick. But you're saying it could because I, I told you this last night. It bothered me. My niece, I, I prepared my sister for this to you know deal with COVID because there was this kid that tested positive and he was nine years old and he got the worst flu of his life. Didn't get you know again the the blood oxygen level dropping, but really everything else. Very oh, high crappy. fever. Felt horrible. I mean, weak for two weeks. It, this was we were not seeing this with kids. And she was he was playing with my niece for like. An entire afternoon, their whole family was over, and we're monitoring her. But before even her, even his family, everyone else who was vaccinated in the family, they didn't get it. And it always bothered me because I said one thing we all agree with Delta or this iteration of it or this viral load of it, whatever you want to call it, is certainly in the households, it seems to get all the whole family at a time. So you're saying it might not have been an an organic infection. It could have been – it could have been the, the spike, and, and their bodies might have – so let me just get this straight. There's different permutations here between the victim and the and the perpetrator here, the guy who has the vaccine. So you're saying 
sometimes the spike could damage them and, you know, and their body can't work against it. And that's hence the myocarditis and the shingles and whatever. Sometimes it doesn't, but they could convey it to someone else and it will damage that person. Sometimes it will damage both. Sometimes it will damage neither. That is exactly right. Um, I, I think what's important to note, first of all, this is my hypothesis and it's, I'm basing it on real life data, what I'm sure. seeing, what I'm seeing clinically presented and what I'm seeing even on a, on a laboratory level. But I think in the case of your niece, that what she had is what I call spike sickness. Of course, it's going to mimic the viral infection because it is pathogenic in and of itself. The spike protein is pathogenic. And so if they get a bolus of, of this pathogenic, you know, shot, however you want to put it, in the air and from the skin or however, from a newly vaccinated person that could be their mother, their father, their teacher, whomever, um, I, I truly, truly believe and have witnessed that that is what's making them sick and they don't necessarily have the infection and their body's response to this toxin, okay, is what's making them feel bad. And they've been feeling, like you said, for a couple of weeks, felt like she, she had the worst flu of her life or whatever. But I, that's her body's response to this bolus of a pathogen that she doesn't recognize that is, you know, it, 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 it causes an increased so hyper immune response and what a lot of happening. people are confused about what what and i know they're gonna be confused about what you're saying that which we're seeing and this is proven undeniable that there's a spike of positive covid cases right when you have a surge in vaccination and everyone agrees to, to that you know certainly within the first you know from the time of the first shot to 14 days after the second shot that there's a surge mm -hmm. i always understood it as it screws up your T cells, so it makes you more vulnerable to the external threat of the virus circulating around, and you're more likely to get it. But are you that's saying another, that's another faction? That but you're, are you not, saying that there's two different. factors? That there's the yeah, internal threat that your own spike could have downed you or someone else, and you could have transmitted mm -hmm. it, and you might test positive for COVID. Yeah, that's correct. And it's mixing and together. Those that present in the hospital with with these symptoms with these severe symptoms oftentimes they test negative for covid but they admit them anyway because their o2 stats are in the toilet and then within a couple of days they test positive so this is a huge revelation that you are making on the cr podcast today um again in terms of your hypothesis because if you would have hypothesized this months ago i would have thought you were crazy i like it come on yeah it's gonna happen but we saw the reality before the hypothesis. We're looking at something like, wait a minute, it's out of season. It's spreading like crazy. It's worse than it's ever been with more built-up immunity, with everyone vaccinated. And then you got Israel, which the more they do it, the more it comes. And and, and Israel's even breaking the really inveterate uh, variable we've seen throughout 18 months, which is that the six to eight week cycle, it keeps going on and on and on there because they did the third round and it keeps going. Yep. And I said, it's got, you can't just say, oh, it's Delta. This was bound to happen with Delta. It doesn't make any sense that no, you would see and this. I, I actually came up with this, this, hypothesis, this hypothesis in April of, of this year. Um, it, it awarded me a, a ban on Twitter 
they, they didn't like what I had to say, even though I posted as a question and wanted some outside uh, professionals to pop in and throw their two cents in and what they're seeing. They didn't like that at all. And that was my just fan. Wow. Anyway, the, the, but, this uh, is just amazing. That's what that... happens when you're early to the. <laughs> No, when you're early to the party, but 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 there has to be again. I I we're in to be clear, we're in uncharted waters. We've never done, Absolutely. we've never had a synthetic virus like this, and then did mass vaccination with a, you know, something that's not a vaccine, but but demanding that the body actually produce a pathogenic spike and and you know and lose control over the how many when how long where of it so it it doesn't take a genius how exactly it happens is something that's still a work in progress and we're gonna unfortunately be experimented on and have to learn about it but to me there has to be some rough version of what you're saying going on to just account for what we're seeing that I, I have lost people 30 years old. I have lost people in this audience. And that was absolutely not happening. You could say, you idiot, you didn't get the vaccine. Well, okay, that would make sense to lecture the 75-year-old who died. Yeah, you know, you wouldn't have died if you had it. Yeah, it's but not it, that. It's it doesn't make that. any sense. It doesn't, it has to be. So what? to be clear, what you're hypothesizing, and I want to make sure you are saying this, and I'm getting this right, is that it's not just the random assortment of weird and often dangerous um, side effects we're seeing the the myocarditis, the shingles, that's part the, of it. That's the what, that's part of it no, in the in the actual vaccinated. That yeah, is, yeah, in the vaccinated, the, the the menstrual cycles, mess up all that. And I want to get yeah. to that in a minute. But you're saying some of what talks, smells, looks, and quacks like COVID, meaning the cytokine storm and the the fever and whatever mm-hmm. the full blown thing that looks like COVID. You're saying that's also a so-called vaccine reaction. Well, not really reaction. That's that, that's the spike that their body lost control of and couldn't handle. And you're saying once you establish that, then also it could be they're spreading that same thing to others as well. That's what I'm saying. Jeez. In a nutshell. Man, I, I just want to make sure we get in plain terms. We only have a couple minutes left. I want to just get to a couple quick things. Um, so back to the more traditional, they're not traditional, but what we've been used to the last few months, the thing of side effects um, with the myocarditis. So I just got an email as I'm talking to you from a friend of mine, a listener of the show. He listens every day. He is, I won't disclose where he is, but he's an ER doctor in a very prominent, um, famous hospital. And he had a 31-year-old man that was forced to be vaccinated pretty recently I diagnosed him with heart attack myocarditis two days after the first Pfizer shot. And then he updates me today, looking through the cardiology notes on my vaccine-injured patient that I wrote you about, and they won't even mention that he was vaccinated three days ago. They're attributing his heart attack to stress and panic. Um, It completely ignores the issue that a 31-year-old Man would never spill heart enzymes into his blood if he didn't have heart muscle that was dying. I've never in my life seen a doctor actually write something like that in the chart. Stress and anxiety do not cause that ever in a man of his age and health status. It is worse than I imagine. It's the Soviet Union. And he's also told me separately that they do not have ICD codes for for, for the vaccine injuries. Are you seeing are you seeing this as well? Yes. Now, what type of things are you seeing that you feel is not getting enough coverage? 
Oh, there's a there's so much. The number one thing that's not getting enough coverage is that early treatment is effective. That is the key to all of this, in my opinion. This could have been completely endemic and over last July of 2020 had they not closed the schools in March and let it cycle through young, healthy kids, young, healthy people. So much could have contributed to it it going into a a non-pathogenic endemic state where it's a non-issue. But we did everything in our power to prolong this and encourage it to evade immune systems and mutate. And that is the biggest problem I have. If you look at Anders Tegnell in, in Sweden, he practices what I practice and call it classical epidemiology, classical infectious disease, but that's how I was trained, and that's what the science backs. And he practiced it, and they're reaping the rewards. They did not lose the whole economic explosion that is closing everybody down. We never in history locked down and quarantined healthy people you don't do that. And, and, that and, and by the way, Dr. Finn, interestingly enough, you bring up Sweden. If it's the Delta, you would expect them to get slammed by this, too. Now, they, they are getting more and more vaccines, but the deal is they already got infection there. So, exactly. so you're not going to see... Yeah, like like Oregon, Oregon and Washington, for example, they only had, you know, the... the some of these projection sites, and I think they're they're pretty accurate within a certain amount. They they estimated that they only had about 15-20% infection. Places like Oregon, um, Washington, San Francisco didn't really come there that much. And they're getting hit at imagine getting hit at 15-20 with with I don't know how to it's not Delta per se. It's what we're the Pfizer variant or whatever you want to call it, what we described yeah, as enhanced Pfizer, you know, viral load, the the spikes being blown around everywhere. They're getting hit with that with such a naive population, whereas Sweden is probably more like 60 to 80 in most places. So, yeah, you'll have a few people here and there. You have a slight increase in cases like you do everywhere in the world, but nothing like we had in mortality. America. Look at the mortality there, though. Yeah, yeah, it's very... Really not, it's really negligible as far as mortality uh, attributed to um, COVID-19. And that's because they did it correctly. It's um, endemic in the Swedish population in their living life. And same goes with Denmark. Denmark is now fully open, no restrictions whatsoever. Very little, if any, small little outbreaks here and there in little close populations. That is typical of an endemic pathogen. That's yes. what happens with normal herd immunity when that is reached, that's what happens. Yes. Where's SARS-1, right? Yes. Um, what, what is happening and, in Israel and in, and in America is not normal. It doesn't make any sense because I kept telling people that's not 0% eff- you know, effectiveness. That's that's negative. If it were zero, it would be it would be – even zero okay. would be better than a year ago just by virtue of a year ago you had much less built-up immunity. So it would, should be proportionally a little bit slower and less of a Hope 100%. Simpson curve in the south and less of a uh, late fall, middle fall, late fall spread in the north. And, you know, it kind of goes down and down each each tranche. Instead, this is like 
every damn person I know has the virus now. Like, in each tranche, it, it, it got like 10% of the people. This is getting like 60%. This is just nuts, this thing, and it's roping even, in everyone. Even with, even with this high transmission rate, if you look at mortality still compared to last year, mortality is down. And they love saying it's because of the vaccine. But the fact of the matter is, historically, when a virus mutates, it mutates to its less virulent state, more infectious to try to stay alive and proliferate to make more virus, less infectious so it can stay, stay alive and not kill its host. That is called evolution. And that's what you're going to see naturally. Back if you allow it. Yeah, if you allow it. So for them to attribute the less mortality on the vaccine and say it's working, it's working, had they done nothing, it would be even more so the case with less transmissibility. So it, it, it's really frustrating to sit there and, and listen to these fall. It's, it's almost like, God, when all else fails, their answer is the vaccine. And it's not the answer. It never was the answer. It never had to be. You're talking now they're going to, to unroll it into the zero to 19 year olds. That population right now has a survivability rate of 99.987% without treatment. And you, there's no statistical way to prove a benefit signal here. Show me, you, you, you're going to need 100 million people to even try to give a signal of benefit in that sure. age group. Why would you roll out a vaccine when the risk is higher? There's no justifiable reason for children to be vaccinated, period, in this particular case in so, COVID. I don't, I don't see any data or science supporting that. If you do, I'd love to know. I see the political science. I mean, that, that certainly makes a lot of sense. That's and definite. But I, I, I invited numerous, numerous scientists. And, and establishment types that are, that are figureheads to show me the data that proves that this is a benefit in, in kids. Show that to me. If you can show that to me, I will be on board 100%. I'm very data-driven, very, very science-driven. But you can't just say because it does, because that's, that's not acceptable to me. When I see children having mortal effects here and and taking this vaccine there are there are children with lifelong heart damage kids athletes especially lean males lean males with pericarditis myocarditis and long troponins that last for two and three weeks that, that doesn't even occur in but a, that's in one a in thousands right heart. that's like one in fifty thousand uh, right <laughs> yeah but 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 look at how many are getting infected and dying from covid a lot less than that. It's more like one so in a thousand, really. But yeah, um, but uh, and 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 yeah, and it, because I, every practice I know has dealt with this, so I mean, it's it's a lot more common than they're they're making it out to be. Um, we're we're pretty much out of time. We're actually over time. Um, but one more thing, I'd be remiss not to discuss that I think is very important. So I want to just get to treatment, what to do and what not to do. Let's start with the what not to do. You have news for us on the bad treatment front, both on the remdesivir outpatient front and on this new uh, drug, Illumiant. Could you uh, talk about both of those? Well, I mean, I, I think remdesivir may have its 
place somewhere in this, possibly very early, but we already have monoclonal antibodies for the very early. Within the first five days, if you go get a monoclonal antibody treatment, you're going to fare out very well. It They work. And I found it a little odd that all of a sudden they started attacking monoclonals. And I thought, okay, there has to be something going on. I always think, what is the impetus for them to attack an effective, safe treatment? And then I find out that remdesivir is about to be approved for outpatient use in a wow. three-dose. Yeah, exactly. Now, and on the big – so, so I, I just want to say I'm a fan of throwing everything you can at it, and we know remdesivir can't work later because it's not anti-inflammatory, but it's supposedly antiviral, so it should work at the beginning. But what's but, – but there's more to the story. Well, yeah. So uh, the first line of treatment when they're presenting into the ER, when their OSATs are down and they're going into respiratory failure, is to administer remdesivir. Remdesivir was a was an Ebola drug that had to, their studies had to be cut short by six months because of the severe nephrotoxicity involved in it, as well as hepatotoxicity. So you have a drug in a patient that's already caving, uh, that's going to shut down their kidneys and then shut down their liver, and then you put them on a vent. That's, that's a recipe for disaster. And now they've introduced um, JAK inhibitors at that stage as well, which, yes, there are places for JAK inhibitors. Can you describe and, how that works, this Illumian, new, the new drug? You're, t- you're referring to Illumian, this drug that they've now added to remdesivir yeah, to approve. What's, yeah, what's the deal with that? It's normally used almost like an interleukin-6 inhibitor. It's normally used in, in autoimmune diseases like um, RA or lupus, and it helps with inflammation. But what they don't tell you is that whole class of drug has a black box warning, which is it's pretty rare. I mean, not, not every drug is awarded a black box warning. And the black box warnings for JAK inhibitors is increase in clotting and infection. Um, that sounds like the two very things you're trying to huh? mitigate. Wait, wait, in the hospital. clotting? What is it with the clotting? How come everything <laughs> they throw at it is is doing clot? Well, wait, wait. So, so let me, let, let's slow this down. So, the drug that won the Nobel Prize and like every piece of literature you read pre twenty twenty one speaks about it with a degree of reverence that you never see regarded to any drug ever. Like broad mechanism, the safest thing was thrown at billions of people, uh, and then no, no, that could cause problems. But then they're like, okay, we got a new, we got a new thing. Well, what is it? Well, it's anti-inflammatory autoimmune. Oh, okay, that's, that sounds great. I mean, we certainly need anti-inflammatories. Um, hey, and it has a black box already warning from the FDA on on clotting. I, I, well, the key here is it's twenty five hundred dollars a dose. So oh, leave out. But, oh, but mind boggling. Stop it. If that there's one glaring thing that stands out. It's taking a drug like hydroxychloroquine that has 65 years of safety data. It's taking a drug that, like ivermectin that has 35 years of safety data and, and broad antiviral properties and completely banning its use when the FDA Modernization Act of 1997 allows for all physicians to write off-label safe-approved medications, which is this is the case. So how they would block that, but then bring in remdesivir 
and bring in, <laughs> uh, you know. And then, and then, and then the shots. I mean, and then dude. And people to go home and get sick and then go to the ER. I, there's so many things wrong here. It's like I almost feel as though everything you could do wrong has been done since the beginning here. I, I, I started out the show, you didn't hear this, but I compared it to the border where they literally find the most effective things and they gut them. So the ivermectin hydroxy early treatment is the horse patrol, right? Because horses smell very well and they can get them in the 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 muskeet, the, the, the brush around the river. And the agents tell me they're so effective. I've covered the border for many years. And I was like, damn, that's exactly why they got rid of the horses, because they work so well. And it's the same thing here. Like, they find everything that works and attack it, and then they use the things that are the worst thing to use at the exact worst time. And the, Like, <laughs> even the steroid, they'll pick dexamethasone instead of methylprednisolone, and, and, and they'll do the wrong dose. And, well, like, I actually like dex in the hospital. I like dex in the hospital, and if I'm finding with Delta and with spike sickness, we have to use higher doses of steroids. That but is they only important. use like six milligrams or something, right? Yeah, no, it needs to be higher. It, it needs, needs to be, to be higher. higher. I mean, that's that's part of the problem. So, um, look, we're out of time. Could you just give us, you know, I, I ask every doctor this. You know, people are very scared, and they're not going to be less scared after listening to you and me today, um, both from the virus and the spike, and it seems like the two kind of, uh, kind of mix. I, I, yeah, I don't want anybody to be scared from this. What? If anything, I, I want them to feel understood because I know they're confused. And they are understood, even though you tune into the, the news and you're, you're even more confused. The fact of the matter is early treatment works. And I know it's access that's a problem. I yes. realize that. Yes. And, and we are doing America's frontline doctors and other groups like FLCCC are doing our best to expand and be more accessible. I know. with Are you AFL, guys getting more staff? We have more staff. We have a new call center with a new network, which is going to start helping us catch up on the backlog. And sure. Apologies ahead of time for being backlogged so badly they, they literally we had such high demand they literally shut the system down for us yeah and, and, and people are very disgruntled but people need to understand no, that the I bottom know, line and they have every right to be disgruntled but, i get it but it underscores but, it underscores the issue the fact that everyone has to come to 0.001 of the doctors because the other ones are out crazy. to lunch it's you know is, is insane it's like the bottleneck of the century you know but I'm going to provide to you a couple of um, uh, resources that allow people to get through mm. to other, besides us, of course. There are other resources. And if we kind of put a database together and help people get to the right place, that will help ameliorate some of this um, anxiety. But in advance, I encourage people to reach out to these um, physicians that are trying to do the right thing. Not necessarily when they're sick, but to have it on hand for when they do start becoming symptomatic. Because the earlier you start, the better off your outcome. So don't wait in, until the first sign of high fever. Try to get in a queue with one of the telemedicine docs now and explain to them that you're not sick yet, but this is these are your uh, current medications. These are your comorbidities. Comor of course, there's no one-size-fits-all. 
that's the, the key here. This is a polyphasic disease, and people are all individuals, and it has to be treated as such. And if so, it can be overcome with no problem. I'm a living, living proof of it. I'm an asthmatic. I, I had the infection 11 months ago. I've been exposed on a daily basis, not only to spike, but to actual infection. I haven't so much had a sniffle since. Um, there's nothing to be afraid of. That's part of what breaks down your immune system is the stress. And, and I, it it's almost seems intentional to me the way they're pushing this fear porn in, in a way that it's unprecedented. And I, I just don't like to see it. I want your audience to know that they're understood, they're supported, and we're, we're doing everything in our power to reach the, the demand. And we'll continue to do so. And I'll provide some of those resources to you. You can put it on your website. And that would maybe help um, ease the minds of some of some of your listeners. Sure thing. No, definitely, definitely. Let's um do that together, and I'll promote it on Twitter. We're over time, but it was worth every minute. I thank you for giving us so much time today. Certainly, an encyclopedia of information. Please do come back and keep us updated as uh, we find more proof of this thesis, and as well as the success from the treatments, folks. We are out of time for the week. Till next week. God bless y'all, and thank you for listening. <laughs>